Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Hello again, and welcome to the program. Today, we're going to take a look at how marketers go after both the challenge and the opportunity of being successful globally across country borders and all of the nuances and considerations that go into being an effective marketing organization globally. And joining me to discuss this topic is Elizabeth Kurek, who has worked successfully at numerous technology companies in a variety of different global locations. Elizabeth, welcome to the program. Thanks, Dan. Good morning. So you have lived in many locations around the world. You've worked in many different positions for global companies. What are some of the most important things you've learned from working with global teams? Any practical tips you can share? Yeah. um, So when thinking about international teams that I've worked with and uh, learnings um, from my experiences, there are two key things that come to mind. Um, the first thing is just regarding cultural differences. So if you're working with a team in, in another region where um, you might not know the culture directly, um, just take a few minutes to to try to learn about it or um, where you can learn from other colleagues on a micro level. So one thing that comes to mind, um, I was working for a Japanese company in Florida. And um, my Japanese colleagues inform me that um, there's, you know, a more formal tone in Japan. So even though I'm writing in English, doing a simple thing like writing a son next to the name of the person I'm writing shows respect. And so just that little detail um, would make a difference in the way that my emails were received with, um, by the team in Japan. Um, and then the other example I can think of is in our team meetings. So we would have team meetings where I was explaining an upcoming marketing project and some of the details and um, also some of the new technical details of the project. And I asked, does anyone have any questions? Does everyone understand? So silence. Um, and I learned that at least um, within the Japanese culture, um, oftentimes uh, people would not speak up on the phone in a meeting to um, share that they maybe didn't quite understand or, um, you know, needed some more information. So when I realized that oftentimes after the bigger group meeting, um, you know, with the different teams, I would ask just one-on-one say, hey, you know, did you have any questions about that? Do you want me to take um, a few extra minutes and just give you a quick call to explain, you know, the last section? And then usually the answer was yes. So it's little things like that um, that you learn from from working with international teams and international colleagues. Um, But even, for example, if you're working with a culture where you might not know everything. And to be honest, it's not possible to know every nuance of every culture in the world. It's just not humanly possible. Um, But thinking about it and just taking a few minutes to think, okay, what did that person really mean? And the example that comes to mind with that is I was working with a manager, marketing manager based in Germany. I was based in the U.S. And this marketing manager had sent an email to our head of sales in the U.S., 
And I know the marketing manager quite well, work with her, very professional, friendly. And um, the sales manager in the U.S. came over and said, hey, Elizabeth, what is going on with this marketing manager in Germany? This is so rude. I can't believe she sent this. And I said, hey, you know, let me just uh, take a look at it. And she had written in the email, when I said I wanted it, I meant right now. And what she was trying to say was that the topic was very urgent, um, but in the translation, you know, it kind of got lost um, and it came across as rude. So when I explained it to him and said, you know, I know her, you know, I really don't think that was the intent behind the email, um, we were able to sort it out. So I would say, you know, even if something comes in and you think, oh, wow, that sounded rude or, you know, that was abrupt or that person didn't answer my question, you know, just take a few minutes to think what was behind it and just ask you know, before you assume um, what the person's intent was. And the second thing that, um, you know, tip that I would give is just just to be considerate. Um, And what I mean is it could be something as simple as thinking, okay, when we're organizing a team meeting, there is, you know, a seven hour time difference between my time zone in Europe or my time zone in Asia. And, you know, think, selecting a time that's convenient for everyone or if you're if you do have to have a meeting that's at an off time just you know saying thank you and saying okay would you mind staying late i know you know it's later than you would normally stay and it's going into your personal time would that be okay so i think just you know considerations keeping in mind that people are in different areas of the world and being considerate of that so those were the two areas that i would give tips on yeah some, some great examples there, and it really does reinforce the value, the importance of having the personal relationships where you can kind of seek out that understanding or clarification, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. The personal relationships are key. And I think also, um, you know, the nice thing about technology is that you're able to stay connected over, um, you know, messengers and online calls. And if you do have the opportunity to meet in person, that's even better. You know, the face-to-face meetings are always great um, and making the effort to stay connected with your team members in various regions of the world. So today's companies that are going increasingly global uh, are trying to build capabilities to be more effective at acquiring customers. So you talked a little Mm -hmm. bit about the internal dynamics within a company, but what are some of the things that companies need to keep in mind to better scale and reach the external audiences to grow their business? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say first and foremost, in anything that you're doing, um, for customers anywhere in the world, um, is to keep the customer at the focus of whatever you're doing. So um wherever your customers are, what their needs are, to keep that in mind first and foremost. And so some things that you know you have rolled out in other regions you may be able to duplicate that in a new region and sometimes not so one example i could think of um i was working for a company where we had rolled the product out in several regions in western europe and north america and we went to roll the product out in poland same product you know same plan that we've duplicated and replicated over and over again and um 
what we didn't realize was that in Poland, uh, people are not comfortable paying by credit card. And so um, just that one little, little tiny detail of, of, of the product and the launch plan um, didn't quite make sense in that region. So, you know, keep the customer at the focus, understand your customer and what their needs are and requirements when you're going into that region. So, um, but at the same time, you know, you can take the model that does work and oftentimes um, you know, replicate that in a region. It's just keeping their needs in mind first. And one of the best things that you can do to stay connected to your customers in a certain region is really going back to the first topic we talked about, um, which is team. So relying on your colleagues in the field. So if you have, you know, field sales leaders, field marketing leaders in various regions where you're looking to expand your product, you know, ask them, just say, you know, first of all, you know, say before it even gets started, this is how we've done it. What do you think? Would this meet the needs of the customers in that region? Yes or no. And, you know, get them on board right from the beginning and and get their feedback. Yeah, it's the utilization of the resources that are available to you and just thinking about um, frontline field level resources that are even closer to the customer. That's, that's really good advice. Yeah. 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 And something you touched on earlier, Elizabeth, was technology and tools that can aid in the communication and creating a better connection. Can you expand a little bit on that, maybe from your experience, what has been the role of technology in helping you be more effective? Yes, absolutely. So um, I would argue that it it wouldn't even be possible to operate on the level that we do today without technology. So I rely on everything. (laughs) Um, You know, there are so many, so many tools out there and you have, you know, email, you have all of your, your messaging apps. So you have everything, you know, from, from WhatsApp to, to LinkedIn, to, you know, old school text to, um, you know, all of the video chats and and things that are available to you today. So I think you should absolutely leverage those where you can and where it makes sense. So, um, you know, depending on the need and the, the style of the communication, sometimes, you know, it's fine to just send a quick email response back. And other times it's really good to see the person, you know, on the other side and get a feel for their reactions and have, you know, um, for a you know a more important meeting to have that connection. So I think that it kind of depends on the scenario and the specific case, um, but definitely uh, you know there's lots of technology out there to enable you. And there may be marketing leaders in our audience that are either currently considering relocation uh, to a outside of uh, their home country location or are taking on some additional global responsibilities. Do you have any other advice for them? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. So as someone who has relocated quite a few times now, most recently to Europe, um, there are several tips that come to mind. So first and foremost, what worked for me Um, And I'm American, um, as you may have noticed from my accent. Um, You know, even if it's a new city within the U.S. or if you're in a new country or completely new culture, I would say take your time before you settle on a location to live. So um, what I did, if you have this option available to you, you can, of course, visit. But when you're on your interview, you don't really have a lot of time to get to know the area. So even when you're starting, you know, take time to either... Um, 
you know, go with temporary housing or a sublet or something that lets you, you know, start your job, get settled in, but then lets you get to know kind of the different neighborhoods um, of where you're where you're moving to, you know, so that you can make the a better choice for a more permanent location that works for you. Um, the second thing I would say, regardless of where you're moving to, just keep in mind um, that it's going to take time and to plan for that. So if you're relocating within the United States, you're going to have to get a new driver's license, transfer your car, you know, get registered to vote, um, you know, familiarize yourself with how the taxes are and, you know, everything that comes with that. And of course, if you're relocating to a new country, then it's even on another level because you have to get your visa, you have to get all of the paperwork that's that's required, you know, to to immigrate and move over um, and get your visa. And, you know, that can take several months depending on you know, the country that you're moving to and the specific job and the level of support that your company provides you. So the key message there would be, you know, to allow time and plan for that. And don't expect that you're going to move over and the next week start working as a resident um, because it's just in reality, it takes time. Um, The other thing that I would say would be to leverage online forums and resources that are at your disposal. So I've found that there have been, you know, online forums where other expats would post information or resources um, and even using social media. So for example, when I relocated to Germany, I found that there is an organization um, that supports expats in kind of getting their voter registration in because, you know, each state is different in the U.S., you know, and that was a huge help to have that community or online forum in my region to ask and say, you know, hey, how did you do this? You know, um, because it's not that easy when you're in a different country with the the time difference and um, things like that. So definitely also um, leverage online forums and communities where you can. Great advice. And uh, of course, you've done that so many times, right? So after a while, it probably just becomes <laughs> a little bit of rinse and re- uh, repeat, right? Yeah, yes, but it's always new. So, you know, even right now, I'm living in Berlin and I, um, you know, I've been coming to Germany for, for many years now on business trips, but actually living here and, and getting all set up, uh, that was another story. So, really, um, yes, there, there are a lot of things that can be reapplied, but then really, um, in my experience, each, each city and, and country has been a new experience as well. So it makes it exciting though. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, thanks again for joining us and sharing your experiences on being a true global marketer. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much for having me. And a reminder to be sure to check out marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.